not the brightest guy in the room, but he is the cheapest. I love lamp. I love lamp. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You're supposed to drink alcohol when you're on antibiotics? Yeah, that's how you get them to work. You have to. Yeah, you need... It's mandatory. You need, like, the spark to to get them to go. My wife says you're not. I'm on antibiotics. I got a knee thing. And a cyst on my head. I think it's going to kill two birds with one stone. Unless, of course, the alcohol makes it not work. Here's what I'm willing to risk. The alcohol making it not work. Penguins offseason, sort of. The draft next Friday, we bring on our friend Vince Cominal, the communist. <laughs> From the point of Pittsburgh now to discuss. Hello, Vince. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to list off some names here, and I'm going to promise you that one's going to be a penguin. How's that sound? Sounds good. Noah Hannafin, Calvin DeHaan, Michael Grabner, Justin Falk, Chris Kunitz. One will be a penguin. I guarantee it. Um, I would agree with you. I would I would say the most likely would be Grabner or Kunis. I agree as well. Uh, I think that they're going to try to get into the defenseman game, but free agency's not the place. And as much as I do like Calvin DeHaan, eh, eh, I mean, yeah. he's, he's a left-handed shot as it is, and I think that they want a right-handed shot. I don't think yeah, he's going to be the, the solution. Hannafin, same kind of thing, although he does fit their their typical kind of rehabilitation project, but uh, I think Grabner or Chris Kunitz, uh, I think there's a good chance that one of those guys in particular is on the roster. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think I talked about this with you earlier uh, while the playoffs are still going on. They just kind of lack that Chris Kunitz type of player in the playoffs, that guy that could just go out there, bang bodies around, uh, you know, every once in a while contribute a goal. They really didn't have that uh, that element. I mean, Patrick Point was just trying to do all of that in, in one fell swoop. He's trying to score goals, go out there, knock bodies around, uh, be a power play specialist. You need you need two people to do that type of thing, not not just one person. So it wouldn't shock me if they re-signed Kunitz. Um, I know that they really wanted Grabner at the trade deadline yes. last year. Um, just kind of fell short of getting him. Uh Another name that I've, I've read in a couple of different places that could end up in Pittsburgh, not likely, but could, is uh, defenseman from Edmonton, Oscar Kleffbaum. He's kind of their uh, power play specialist up there, but uh, they have all kind of cap issues up there. And uh, he, he kind of had an off season this season, but he, he kind of fits the Penguins mold as well as that uh, skilled offensive defenseman. Vinny Kahn, let's stick with Kunitz for a moment here because I watched him play with Tampa against Washington, and I didn't love what they got from that fourth line. But uh, as the series wore on, I thought that they played better. But upon looking at Chris Kunitz's advanced statistics, uh, he had 1.6 even strength points per 60, which for a fourth liner is absolutely not bad. And when you look at what is given to the Penguins from... Tom Kuhnhockel and guys of that ilk, I think for $1 million in one year, something around that, you could do a lot worse than putting Chris Kunitz back in there, especially for a guy who can also kill penalties. And He's not going to move up and down the lineup, but for all those reasons I said, I think he would be a good fit. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, like you said, uh, if I had a choice between Kuhnhockel and Kunitz, I'll take Kunitz every time, even at the age of 38. 
Um, I mean, I watched that series too, and I watched how pretty much every shift that Chris Kunitz was out there, he was up in the face of Tom Wilson. Uh, he was ripping Tom Wilson's helmet off. He laid out Tom Wilson on one of his shifts. Um, you know, the, the Penguins didn't really have an answer for that type of stuff, uh, other than, you know, Jamie Alexiak trying to fight him one time and Wilson declining, but they really didn't have that guy that was getting up in Wilson's face like that. And, uh, you know, like you said, Kunitz will probably slot in on a, on a fourth line if they were to re-sign him, but there is that odd shift where he has that familiarity with playing with Crosby and Malkin where he could, you know, slide in there for a game or two or, you know, a shift or two. So I think, you know, re-signing him for one year, $1 million, $1.5 I think that would be a really good signing for the Penguins. Penguins have a log jam at right wing. Uh, we've seen Connor Sherry play both sides. We've seen Brian Rust play both sides. Obviously, I think the Penguins would be smarter to keep a guy like Rust than they would be to keep a guy like Sherry. And uh, as much as Sherry has been inconsistent, I do think that there could be a market for him. Uh, it seems almost popular to write him off uh, as far as a trade chip. Again, I don't think they're going to be able to get anything huge for a guy like Connor Sherry, but if you're a goal-starved team, if you're Calgary, let's say, and you would like to add another guy who could perhaps be on your top power play, a guy who scored 18 goals this year and had 53 points in 61 games the year prior, I think that that's a guy that you would maybe take a flyer on it, hoping that he could step in and be a little bit more productive than he was this year. Yeah, and if he went and played in Calgary, that could form the shortest line in NHL history with him and Johnny Gutierrez. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, a team like uh, the Arizona Coyotes or Calgary or Vancouver, uh, maybe Carolina to a lesser extent, well, you know, why not take a flyer on that guy? Or even, uh, you know, the, the Penguins at this point, if they could just get a maybe a third-round draft pick for him, that'd be great because, you know, they, they – uh, they need to kind of start stockpiling their draft picks a little bit as this team's getting a little bit older. But uh, there was definitely a log jam there, and if Connor Sherry is still on the team come opening night, he's probably going to find himself a healthy scratch because there's just uh, there's just too many right wings on this team right now. And I know, like you said, he could play both sides, but uh, not really. <laughs> no, he's he's far worse on the left side. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, we even saw them uh, try that experiment with Hornquist that we saw about two games. That's all it took for, for them to realize he can't play both sides. So, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, I would look for, you know, if you're looking for guys to get traded, I would say either him, maybe Haglin, but Haglin has that huge, uh, huge $4 million contract that he's in the last year of. And honestly, I think you get more out of Carl Haglin than you do out of Connor Sherry. Yes. Yes, I mean, he's going to kill penalties for one thing, and uh, you like the chemistry that he's had on that second line with Hornquist and Malkin. I mean, you're going to keep them together as long as he's around. Uh, I think that Haglin would maybe be valuable to a team that wants to push themselves over the top with another depth player who's been there before, and no player's played more playoff games in the last half a decade than Carl Haglin. Uh, at the same time, it is a one-year contract now for Hags, and it might be tough to move him then. Uh, as far as Sherry, for people who don't know, when if he's playing the left wing and he's trying to take the puck off the boards with his backhand, I mean, it's it, it is a lot different that way. And uh, I'm certainly not chastising the guy for not being able to play both sides. It's a lot harder said than done. 
Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, we we've seen. We, remember when Jerome McGinley came here? Now, granted, he played the first 16 years of his career on right wing, right? And then for some reason, Bowser thought it was a good idea to play him on the left wing, and we saw how that failed miserably. So it's not, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. Just say, oh yeah, I'll play the right wing, I'll play the left wing, no big deal. It's it's definitely a difficult transition. If you had your druthers, keep Kessler, trade him. I keep him. I, I just don't know what you're going to get in return that's going to fill that void of 92 points, I think it was, that he had this season. I, I just don't think the return that you're going to get for trading Phil Kessel is ever going to match what Phil Kessel gets you by being on the team. I think that you're probably right about that. And I know Steelers fans have said, and Steelers organization has said, that the Steelers didn't win a lot before Franco Harris got there, and they won a lot after he did get there. Phil Kessel helped the Penguins win two Stanley Cups after they had gone six years without winning a championship and really not sniffing one. So I think there's something to that. That being said, I would agree with it. But if they do move Phil Kessel, I feel like they'll do enough to replace him. Not necessarily in the points and goals department, but I do think that they'd be able to round their team out. Whatever Jim Rutherford does, for the most part, I'm going to sign up for. Uh, I didn't love the Reeves move. Uh, I didn't love coming in with Carter Rowney as your fourth-line center and Greg McKegg as your third-line center last year, but uh, I'll generally bow down and kiss the couple rings that that guy has. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to question anything that Jim Rutherford does. And honestly, if they were to trade Kessel, I would hope that it would actually be for a top four, even a top two defenseman, because I feel like that's where their need really is. There's there's a log jam of talent on this team, offensive talent, but we saw in the playoffs last year that the, the defense has really uh, just really struggled, and I think that that's where the main need is. All this talk about you know bringing in Tavares and all these you know other wingers and things like that. That's all great, but that's not what the Penguins' need is right now. The Penguins' need is on defense. I mean, you've got uh, Daniel Sprong possibly ready to join this team. Zach Asenreese—he'll uh, be recovering and ready to go from the broken jaw. And you know, Asenreese is playing on a fourth line in the playoffs and and later in the regular season. But people forget that he led the nation in uh, scoring his last season at Northeastern. So. Uh, he was a Hobie Baker finalist, so this he could score. So he's another offensive talent waiting in the wings, no pun intended. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think the Penguins, maybe they want to focus more on addressing their need on defense than you know trading Phil Kessel and bringing in more offense. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, they didn't score goals, I think, in the playoffs last year because Broussard, Kessel, and Malkin weren't healthy. I mean, I don't think you have right. to look past that. I think with a healthy Broussard as your pivot on the third line, you're going to feel good about it. Uh, Phil Kessel had the best season of his career, and whatever they want to say about it, he didn't look right. And given the way he had played in the playoffs and in the Olympics uh, and in the playoffs with the Penguins, he wasn't acting like that because he was not happy with n- with not being alongside of Genny Malkin. So I don't buy into that. And then Malkin, we saw the jump from him in the round one series against Philadelphia that we absolutely did not see against the Capitals, and the Capitals deserve some credit for that, but if those guys are healthy, you're scoring goals, you need defense, and I do think one of the problems there is also an issue of health with Chris Letang. Now, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same guy again, um, but to me, I didn't think the Penguins were atrocious at defending within their own zone. They had their moments where it wasn't great, 
But I do think the bigger problem with the Penguins was just allowing far too many odd man rushes, both against Philadelphia and, and then certainly against the Washington Capitals. Yeah, and that was the thing. I mean, the, the Capitals just, you know, for, again, no pun intended, capitalized on nice. every mistake that the Penguins made. And unfortunately, the Penguins made a lot of major mistakes in that series, and the, Penguins, and the Capitals scored on every single one of them. And that's something and, that should be, I mean, that that's correctable. That that's You yeah. look at that during the offseason, and you might even think, well, it might not just be the personnel here. We might just need to fine-tune a couple of things. Exactly, and you know, just you, you touched on Chris Letang. Mm. I think they need to have a conversation with him because they're not going to trade him, and they just need to tell him he needs to tone it back a little bit because he he's trying to do the things that he used to do when he was twenty four, twenty five, twenty six years old, and he just can't do that anymore. I mean, you know, age has caught up to him. He's had a major neck surgery. He, my God, he had a hole in his heart. Uh, you know, it, it, it happens. You, the older you get. The, the less you could do things you did when you were younger, but he's still trying to do those things. So I think if, if he could just learn to tone it down a little bit, you know, not try to lead the rush on every play, not jump into every play, maybe jump in on 30% of the plays instead of 70% of the plays, I think he'll be fine because he has all the talent in the world, but sometimes he's just a space cadet out there. And, you know, he used to be able to be a space cadet out there, but he still had enough you know, talent and speed to recover from those mistakes. He doesn't have as much of that anymore, so he needs to be a little bit more cerebral in his game. And we saw Washington Carlson, obviously, and he was the leading point getter in the regular season uh, for defensemen in the playoffs as well, but Mm -hmm. um, they really do it by committee uh, outside of that, and I I think Vegas did it by committee too. Maybe dial back his minutes a little bit. I think you like uh, at least your top four a lot. Uh, you dial him back a little bit, you ask him to play within himself, and I think that they'll be fine. Uh, Vince, really appreciate the time, as always, man. like getting in some hockey talk no matter what time of the year it is. And draft is next Friday. I'm fired up. Maybe Chris, uh, Phil Kessel, pardon me, won't be a Pittsburgh Penguin. We shall see. Uh, thank you for your time, pal. All right, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to debrief once the draft is over. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll also have to talk about the draft. There he goes, Vince Common. Coming up next, it is the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun, brought to you by To Be Determined. And we've also got Matt Williamson at 540. It's the Crowley Show. I used to have a sweet tooth, had it removed when I was a kid. So what do I crave instead of chocolate? A big red box from Granger. Granger satisfies my craving for great customer service with 24-7 support, effortless ordering, and same-day pickup or next-day delivery options. No busy signals, no cavities. I love Granger. You know why? Because when it comes to reliable product and technical support, Granger's got your back. Call or click Granger.com to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, I hope that Vince is happy that the Russians won. Huge win for them. Great start. I like how the team all really pitched in equally to, to come to one common goal. A union. Exactly. Of Soviets. Mm. A Soviet union. A lot to unpack here before we get to Matt Williams, and we're going to get to the unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined in a couple of minutes here. I had a buddy just text our group chat a screen grab of a nice woman that he matched with on Bumble and her profile description, and the description was, wondering if there's a real-life Christian Grey out there. Wow. 
Sounds like she might be tied down by the end of the day. Also had this delightful tweet from the President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump. Quote, I've had to beat 17 very talented people, including the Bush dynasty. Then I had to beat the Clinton dynasty. And now I have to beat a phony witch hunt and all of the dishonest people in the IG report. And never forget the fake news media. It never ends! Exclamation point. End quote. I don't want to get political here on the show, so we will not do that. But what I do want to ask at 412-922-2874 is... Are the Bushes a dynasty? Are the Clintons a dynasty? What are the best dynasties in American history? And let's try to keep it in terms of politics. As far as the Bushes are concerned, you want to talk about dynasty here. H-Dub, president for four years. George Dub, eight years. George H-Dub, eight years as vice president under Ronald Reagan. And then you got Prescott Bush, who served as the senator of Connecticut for 11 years back in the 1950s and 60s. And then Jeb Bush, who was the governor of Florida for eight years. As far as the Clintons, they don't quite stack up for me. And I very well might have voted for Hillary. I'm not going to tell you here on the show I did. But there we had two people. Bill and Hillary, and Bill, yes, okay, he's Attorney General of Arkansas, he's a Governor of Arkansas, President of the United States for eight years, but Hillary was never President. She was First Lady, and she gets in via marriage. That's not a dynasty. No. That's a good run. You can't call the Clintons a dynasty. No, it's a good run. It's not a dynasty. The Bushes, that is a dynasty, my friends. What are some other great dynasties in terms of politics here in this country uh i mean you got to look at the kennedys right i mean i feel like the kennedys always come up when you're talking politics and and the great history of this nation yeah they always they always get bounced a little early though yeah they do they have a tendency of uh of doing that they only had one president though Are, are we trying to say that if you have to have at least two members of your family become president to officially be a dynasty or a long reign like i will put fdr as a dynasty like by himself he served as president longer than anybody else, 12 years. So that, to me, that's dynasty-worthy. But he also had a relative serve as president, too. So that helps with the dynasty, too. It's actually a funny story about those two chuckleheads. Teddy Roosevelt's niece, Eleanor, actually married Teddy Roosevelt's fifth cousin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So Eleanor kept it in the family, which I think is an extremely important thing to do when you're trying to breed a dynasty. That's a hell of a dynasty. Yeah. That's, that's dynasty one. That is the... 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers right there. And I'll put the Bushes. Oh, you're the Roosevelts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Bushes, the, Bushes Patriots, modern-day Patriots. Well, I think the Bushes kind of line up a little bit more with the San Francisco 49ers. Montana. Montana. And, and Steve, Steve Young, because yeah. there's two of them. Yes. And Bradshaw is just FDR. That's not bad. Not at all. What about the Adams? The Adams family, almost almost the original dynasty. Yeah. John John Quincy, are th- wait, are they related? They are in my book. In my own personal record book as our friend Stu Gotts likes to say, they are a dynasty. I mean, I got the same last name, and it's the same as my first name, so I'm inclined to say yes. That is a dynasty. Does Grover Cleveland count as a dynasty? Because he was president once, walked away, then and then came, came back, back. And was president again. 
it's no. it's tough to crack it again. That's like Peyton Manning. Grover Cleveland comes in, wins a championship, gets to become the president, walks away, walks away, comes back with a whole other team, wins the damn thing. Dynasty. That, that's dynasty. Di- I think so that has too. To be a dynasty. I think so too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Please tell us your dynasties. Who would Lyndon Johnson be? If John F. Kennedy, if the Kennedys are at least dynasty adjacent, he's the guy who came in at the end of a dynasty and then helped win the championship then. Who would that be? Who did that? I guess that kind of would be like the 49ers. That kind of would be like Steve Young coming in there at the end. Or perhaps it's like the Oilers in hockey where Gretzky leaves, they could still win. Works for me. You got nothing, do you? No, nothing left. 412-922-2874. And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. If you haven't heard, Martavis Bryant likely to be suspended by the National Football League for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Don't know if that's for a positive test. Don't know if that's because he missed a test. I do realize that he knows the rules, and this is his fault as much as it is anybody else's fault. But can we please do one thing for the time being? While I'm hosting this radio show, let's put that aside. Please, put it aside just for a second that he knows what he's doing is wrong, and he still chooses to do it anyway. It's a terrible rule. Like drinking in the 1920s, ah, prohibition, don't be doing it. It was a terrible rule. Uh, people should be allowed to drink alcohol. Uh, be responsible, but you should be able to have a couple of cocktails on your back porch with a couple of your friends for a dinner party. Uh, you should be able to sit on the beach and pour yourself an ice-cold Corona. Uh, you should be able to go to a hipster bar not be able to afford the beer that they're actually serving and drink a PBR. You should be able to do those kind of things. Drinking alcohol is crucial to happiness in this country, and it helps fat people and ugly people get laid all the damn time. The analogy is this, just because a rule is stupid doesn't mean you shouldn't follow the rule, but the rule should have been abolished. The National Football League's got stupid, antiquated, draconian rules as it relates to marijuana. Marijuana, which is now known to be helpful for people who are suffering from MS. People who are suffering seizure disorders, people who are suffering anxiety disorders, depression disorders, cancer. We know that this can be used for medication. We also know that marijuana is something that a lot of people put into their body recreationally and and kill people the way that alcohol kills people. It's a hell of a lot safer than alcohol. In fact, if I smoke a spliff, I am far more likely to get behind a bowl of cereal than a wheel of a car. If I drink a six-pack of Natty Ice, I'm probably going to drive, and don't do this at home, kids, to get Taco Bell. That's the way it goes. I'm going to lay on my couch if I smoke weed. I'm not going to do anything reckless or stupid. Again, if you're a child out there, don't do drugs. Not until you come of age, then you can make your own decision whether to do drugs or not. But the way I look at athletes in the National Football League or Major League Baseball or the NHL or the NBA is I look at them as commodities 
I look at them as entertainment, and they get paid swimmingly to be that for us. They are supposed to entertain us. I don't care if players use steroids. I understand why people do care. I don't understand why people can get all bent out of shape about somebody smoking some grass. I don't understand why people can get mad at a guy for smoking a joint on a Saturday afternoon whenever he's playing golf with his friends. I don't get that. I don't understand why that's your business. I don't understand why you think that that affects somebody's ability to perform on a football field. Now, the National Football League does this because they want to have the appearance of being a tough league on drugs. They do this because also they would like to have something over the heads of the players in the next collective bargaining agreement. But even knowing all that, me, Adam Crowley, a reasonable young man, still thinks, give the players a little rope here. Uh, allow the players to be able to do on their own time what they want to do on their own time. Now, if they get behind the wheel of a car, they get a DUI, DWI, smack them upside the head, suspend them. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, if they do anything reckless, public intoxication, things of that order, I understand punishing them. If they show up and they're intoxicated, I get it. I know teachers who aren't tested for pot. Some states do not require teachers to have to go through drug tests to determine whether or not they smoke the reefer. Yet Martavis Bryant, who runs routes down the football field, doesn't have to think and catch a football isn't allowed to do it. Again, I understand this is also his fault. Maybe his fault more than anybody else's fault. But the fact that the league is so far behind on this makes me want to throw myself down the stairs. And then with the pain that comes with it, I'd probably want to smoke a joint and then not allowed, be allowed to play in the National Football League. Is there trouble in Patriots paradise? I say yes. It has to mean something if guys continue to say it's not fun there. And we're hearing a lot of guys say it's not fun there. It also has to mean something if Rob Gronkowski doesn't want to show up. And it's got to mean something if Tom Brady doesn't want to show up. Both guys did for minicamp, but neither guy did for OTAs, and Rob Gronkowski has reportedly been considering retirement. That's shocking to me because the guy doesn't think, and because the way he treats his fandom, or the, or the people treat him because of his celebrity, makes me think that he'd want to party as long as he possibly can. And playing gives him the ability to have that celebrity to party as long as he could possibly do it but maybe new england ain't as fun as we all think it is perhaps not having one last year and having to go through the bill belichick boot camp ain't worth it to these guys anymore perhaps bill belichick's ego has gotten too big even for the only two hall of famers to play on that football team the steelers are going through some problems but so are the patriots and i think that should make you smile as a steelers fan coming up next it's matt williamson but before we talk to Matt Williamson, it is a Friday. And a free movie one at that for Adam Tickets. It's the best app to book your movie tickets. And they want to hook you up with tickets to see Tag in theaters today based on the true story of five friends that have been playing Tag for 30 years. Text Burger, B-U-R-G-E-R, to A-T-O-M-1. That's Adam1 for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates may apply. I kind of want to see Tag. It's based on the true story of five friends. In fact, I bet Tom wants to see it too because 
Tom does not have five friends. As I mentioned, Matt Williamson coming up next. We'll talk a little bit about Martavis Bryant and the way the Steelers fleeced now the Oakland Raiders clearly on that trade. Also, there's a report out there that maybe, just maybe, Mason Rudolph is the backup quarterback of the Steelers. It's in Pittsburgh. Littering and... Littering and, uh, littering and littering and littering and littering and littering and littering and smoking the reefer. Ed Bouchette reports that Mason Rudolph is perhaps going to be considered to be the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't buy it. I don't. I think the Steelers believe in Landry Jones. I think the Steelers are also big believers in proving it when it matters. And as much as I'm sure Mason Rudolph thinks he's taken steps forward in minicamp and OTAs and rookie camp, he's not facing live tacklers. It's not the same at all. The speed of the game is totally different. They're not doing much of anything other than generic stuff out there anyhow, so I don't buy into that. The other big story today, obviously, is Martavis Bryant. We now bring in our football guy, WilliamsonFootball.com, and the Steelers Radio Network. He is Matt Williamson. Hello, Matt. Hello there. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm terrific. Matt, do you believe that Mason Rudolph is being considered right now to be the Steelers' backup quarterback? Um. He's very impressive. I liked him a lot coming out of school. I think he projects as a future starter. But I think they, kind of like you said, I think they like Landry Jones a lot. You know, they just can count on him. He knows the system. He's reliable. Um, maybe Rudolph goes past him. Maybe. But I can't believe that that's, at this moment, if Ben couldn't play on Sunday, there would be any hesitation to put Landry Jones in. Yeah, without a doubt in my mind. And... I've said this, if the Steelers see Ben Roethlisberger go down, knock on wood, with some horrific injury and then they fall out of contention, then okay, yeah, you go with Mason Rudolph and you see where things go from there and you see how he develops. But anything short of that, and I think Landry Jones is the guy, and I think Landry Jones is probably better than most Steelers fans give him credit for. He's not a great quarterback, but he can win you a game or two in a pinch. Yeah, I mean, we say that a lot on the air about him, that for some reason he is not popular around here. And I really think that's unfair to him. Is he a starter? No. I mean, I don't think any GM in the league would look at him as a starter. But I've said this a lot. When I was at ESPN, one of the jobs I did, like every other offseason, was rank the 32 backups. It's a... Ugly, ugly job. <laughs> I mean, there's some teams that really are bad off at the back of quarterback position, and the Steelers aren't one of them. I mean, is he the best backup in the league? No, but he's 10th, 12th, something like that, and he can win games with him, especially with that offense. If Mason Rudolph plays 10 years, 9 years, 8 years in the league and is a backup, but as good as Landry Jones, worth it? Yes, for sure. Um, I mean, that's a third-round pick for a Frank Reich backup that lasts forever that is a good one. Is worth it. Yes, no doubt. Unfortunately for him, well, not unfortunately, I mean, but uh, people are going to look at him if he's not the next starter, if he's not the next, you know, Pro Bowl 
quarterback around here, he's going to have a tough, you know, tough, tough time winning over Steeler Nation. Yeah. But that shouldn't be the case, you know. I mean, if they told any GM in the league, hey, would you give up your third round pick for a ten year backup who you trust and is a really good player? You'd say, yeah. I would imagine that this is how things are going to go this year. And Matt Williamson's joining us here on the Crowley Show. Ben's the guy. Landry's the next guy. Then you've got Mason Rudolph, and then Josh Dobbs breaks his ankle. Yeah, I've been saying that too. I think he's going to have a really bad hangnail or something. Yeah, <laughs> about week four and end up on the IR. Because ideally, I mean, when you use a fourth round pick on a guy, you'd like him to be your backup one day, and or well, your third quarterback one day on the cheap and. If Mason Rudolph slides into that Landry role a couple of years from now, uh, or next year, I suppose, and Landry's money comes off the books, then you have a cheap young backup and or third quarterback, and you you kind of like the depth chart there. Yeah, right. I mean, I think the key really is 2019. If you right. operate under the assumption that Ben's going to be back in 19, and I don't even know that you can do that. I mean, he could easily change his mind in the offseason, but assuming he comes back, he's your one, and things are wonderful, and you just won the Super Bowl, and you're going to win another one, and we're all good friends, and everything's <laughs> wonderful. Then Landry, who you like, like I just said, but he makes money, you know, and someone out there may give him a little more. So be it. And by then, Mason Rudolph you know, falls right into the number two job and is a promising number two with potential to be their number one. And Dobbs is still developing, really, as a high-end three. That's pretty good. You know, I mean, that's pretty good. And it saves you, you go get a starting guard with Landry Jones' money. I mean, like, you know, he costs some money. I mean, quarterbacks cost money in this league. Or, you know, I think another long shot, but isn't a wonderful situation, is Dobbs and Mason will get tons of, tons of work this preseason, as Dobbs did last year. Maybe some team says, hey, we'll give you a fifth-round pick for Josh Dobbs. You'll be happy with that. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Matt, if Martavis Bryant had never been suspended, if Martavis Bryant had been healthy, what's his career look like? It's funny, though. I'm not taking anything away from him, and I think he got a bum rap last year because if you watch the tape, he was open more than people realize. You know, if you watch the All-22 I thought he had a better year than his stats indicated or the disconnect with Roethlisberger early in the year. That being said, pre-suspension, I looked at him and thought, this is the freakiest guy going. You know, this is Julio Jones. This is one of the most talented players in the entire league. And last year he didn't look as freaky or as talented to me. You know, like... He didn't do jaw-dropping things last year. And, again, he was good, and his numbers should have been better. And I blame Ben as much as I blame him for their early season you know, disconnect or whatever. But probably in the end, if he would have been a, quote, clean player from day one, worked hard, he's probably a two- or three-time pro bowler and a top you know, 15, 12 wide receiver or something like that. If you would have asked me that a year ago, though, I would have said he's the best receiver in the league, or the second best receiver in the league. You know, but he didn't look as freaky to me this year. Yeah, I agree with all that, and maybe it's because I spend so much time talking to you. But uh, if I think about all that, and even if it's option number two, which is two or three time Pro Bowler and one of the best fifteen receivers in the league, right. it makes me upset. 
And and I realize that he is to blame for a lot of this, if not all of it, because he's not following the rules, and the rules really aren't all that difficult to follow. That being said, I'm a little pissed off at the National Football League for having rules so antiquated that now I don't get to watch a guy who potentially could have been a top 15 receiver in this league. Yeah, I, I've said this a few times. I always phrase it like this, that my 11-year-old son, when he's in college, is going to laugh with his buddies saying, that dude got suspended for smoking grass. You know, like, how dumb is that? He missed right. a whole year of football because of that, you know, and goes down the street and buys it at 7-Eleven. <laughs> you know? uh, you I see that's exactly it with me. Uh, just because you broke rules doesn't mean that the rules couldn't be dumb. Uh, I remember whenever I got my license for the first time, uh, my parents had been begging me. I got it when I was eighteen. I was terrified to drive because I'm a huge baby. And sure. w- when I finally got it, I wanted to take my friends and I wanted to drive somewhere and get dinner. And my parents said, "No, you're not ready. You're not ready." And I said, "You've been begging me." To get the license so you didn't have to lug my ass everywhere. Now I get it. You're telling me that I can't go. And to me, that was dumb. That was dumb of them. And I've told them that, and they've now since agreed with me now that I haven't gotten in any knock-on-wood horrific car crashes. Uh, sometimes the rules are dumb, and these rules yeah, are dumb. Yeah, your example was the best, but okay. Wow, no, that was a great e- What? All right, tell, why? Why is that not a great example? It was fine, but wasn't nearly as good as... I thought Boy, it was. Dr- marijuana's bad. Everyone should get suspended for it. Oh, damn it. All right. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Williamson, uh, safeties for the Steelers. They've got a bunch of them, but apparently none yeah. of them are their free safety. So what the hell's going on there? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, like, I don't think this is divulging world secrets, but just watching camp, the thing that I probably watched the most was who ends up in the deep middle of the field when they, you know, in, in the each and every play. And I think every safety in the in the roster ended up there equal amounts in the in preseason or in the, in OTAs and in minicamp. You know, so I don't know anything more than I did three weeks ago or four weeks ago. That being said, I mean traditionally they have played a lot of single high safety. I mean sometimes it's a cover three shells, but there's usually a deep middle defender. Also, this is the part that worries me a little bit is. Traditionally, Brian Clark, especially Mitchell, really aren't that rangy. You know, they're really not Earl Thomas types. They're better. They maybe would have, in another scheme, been a strong, you know, if Troy wasn't there. Or And even talking to the coaches, you know, getting some sound from them, they were saying, we need that guy to be a really good run player. He has to tackle well. And I'm sitting there thinking, Stopping the pass is key. You know, I, I want a guy that maybe isn't the hammer or the most physical guy, but he has tons of range and he takes the ball away. And sure, your last layer of defense needs to be a good tackler, but he also he needs to play the pass better. And, I mean, that's what the league is going to. And I look at the team, and I keep going back to Sutton. I think Sutton has a chance to be the best one of that group. I'm also interested to see if Davis were to do it full-time with that boost his career but i know that burnett and edmonds and those guys can't be deep middle players time and time again right now that's my biggest worry of the whole roster yeah i'm worried about that too and i'm not necessarily in love with the inside linebackers either which makes me right. worry and and really the outside pass rush so well that too so uh-oh other than that it's great yeah it makes me uh makes me a little worrisome for the upcoming season uh, yeah you know I mean, I don't know if you have questions lined up for me or not, but scrap them. I, I, I threw this out at Wolf and Dale when we finished our conversation. Was 
If you had to put a chip down right today of a defensive player on the Pittsburgh Steelers who ends up in the Pro Bowl this year who's not named Cam Hayward, who would it be? To it. I said TJ. And both well, those I'm, positions have a lot I'm of right. people in the way. But those are the two you would think. But there's not a lot of that. I mean, all of them are stretches is, is the reality. I mean, I could certainly write a story where two, it's a Pro Bowl or, or what. Hayden, maybe? I guess. Maybe. I, I mean, I said that, but I, I think that the, the Pro Bowl days are probably gone on him. Yeah. And, Good player, nice pickup, but. Yeah, I don't. I think you're. I think you're spot on with with that, though. I don't. I don't look around and think of anybody else who's who's Pro Bowl caliber. And and that's that's got to be frustrating, though, uh, for the Steelers brass because you know, I, I talked about this on the show the other day. You go in into 2013, 2014, and the the entire defense is old and decrepit and aging, and you got to rebuild the whole thing. Well, you go to this year, and every single player on that defense will have been a first, second, or third round pick, with the exception of Vince Williams. Uh, the excuses aren't really there at, at this point. Uh, they've got. No, it's time for a lot of those guys yeah. to step up. You know, the Buds and Burns and Davis in particular. You know, like Hargrave doesn't worry me as much. Um, I'm excited about Watt, obviously. If the, just think how much different they would be. And I'm, I'm probably just really bashing Dupree and Burns. But yeah. what if one, one of those two was the obvious answer to the question? Say, no, Bud's going to the Pro Bowl, or Burns will be a Pro Bowler. Wow, would that defense be a lot better? Matt, really good stuff. I've thrown the questions out. Uh, I've also thrown my terrible car driving analogy out. You have changed yeah. the course of the show and now human history. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. See you. Later. Matt Williamson. Check him out. WilliamsonFootball.com. Steelers Radio Network. Steelers Nation Radio. He's on my show all the damn time. He's on with Stan all the damn time because he's great. He knows his stuff. Coming up next, I actually do feel for Martavis Bryant. If that makes me a snowflake, so be it! I'm a snowflake. It's a Crowley Show. Turn to Lowe's for great deals on all kinds of Father's Day gifts to make Dad summer. Help him cut down on his yard work time with up to 20% off select outdoor power equipment. If you're looking to add a little flavor to his Father's Day, a new grill is just the thing. Because now you can get up to 30% off select grills. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 620 while supplies last. See store for details. Yeah, my buddy met this girl on Bumble, and she says she's looking for the next Christian Gray, which is the guy from those Gray books who bangs the women and ties them up and all that nonsense. Sounds like a lovely girl. Bumble. That's a funny word. Bumble. Bumble. Bumble.